Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Happy Holidays from Tax Notes. For the end of the year, we've recorded a few short items that are either weird or just wouldn't work as a full episode. So as our gift to you, here is Year End Collection, Volume 1. I'm joined in the studio now by Nathan Richmond, a legal reporter on Tax Notes Today. Nate, what do you have for me? Uh, What I've got to start with here is my favorite case that I never got to write about. It's the uh, bench opinion for, I'm not even going to try to pronounce their first names, the Iotvoses. A bench opinion, uh, the tax court normally has a trial. At a trial session, they go out to whatever city for a week. And after the judge has had some time to sit and think and research, after a few months, maybe as long as a few years, they issue their opinions. Bench opinions are, before the end of that week, the judge will read into the record, here's my decision, here we go. So they've already evaluated everything very quickly. And Judge Buke here has some very entertaining evaluations of Mr. Eothos' testimony. All right, so so this would be a bench opinion would be like this is very obvious this yes. decision that I'm rendering. Okay, yes. All right, so so what happened here? So the Eotposes ran a home childcare business, and at some point they became utterly convinced, or at least Mister Eotpos did, that everything in the house is deductible if you run a home childcare business, which happened to include Mrs. Eotpos's jewelry and let me quote here all the household assets. Those assets included swords and battle axes, which Mr. Eotvos collects. Uh, swords and battle axes? Uh, day- is this baby's first Thunderdome? Is that what this ba- daycare was called? <laughs> I don't think he had uh, quite progressed to that level of business plan. There was no mention of pay-per-view broadcasting or any sort of insurance that that would require well, I, obvious deductions to take. I should hope no one would insure that. <laughs> But one thing that did happen is apparently Mr. Eotvos has a great poker face because he said just with utter confidence that all this stuff is deductible to the point where Judge Buke has to say, in his opinion, one of my favorite lines ever, a witness who can testify with a straight face about the nexus between a battle axe and a daycare business earns no credibility. Needless to say, they did not get these deductions. You can't fault him for trying. Well, um, you can, but on some level, you've got to say. That's what the accuracy penalty is. Well, yes. <laughs> but on some level, you got to respect that level of confidence. That, 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 is, that, is a, that is a pretty good one. That's, like. That got him a quick decision. All right. Thank you. All right, Nate, you have uh, something else for us? Okay, so sometimes what's best is not the arguments that people try that fail, but the arguments people try that succeed. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Potter was the primary salesman for his family's potting soil business. Uh, he didn't run it. He was not a direct employee of the business. He had his own separate company, a corporation called Potter Sales Inc., and he ran the business through that. When the business got sold, he got a nearly $2 million payout and was out of a job. He was more looking for something to do to spend his time on rather than a new occupation. He was just at that stage of career. And, and he'd he already 
he'd already used his aptonym in his first career. So, uh, <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, an aptonym is a name that's appropriate to the job you do. Yes, he he had already done that. So he stumbled across what the tax court described as a cowboy-mounted shooting activity, which, per the description, was you ride around on the horse through an obstacle course and you shoot at targets. What you shoot are black powder-loaded pistols with no shot at balloons, and the ash from the pistols pops the balloons. So this is exactly like life was in the Old West, right? I wish. So, to me, this brought to my mind the people who, having seen exactly what life was like in the Harry Potter world, coming up with their version of Quidditch. Mm-hmm. So, so the, it's it's the it's the live action role playing LARPing of the of the old west. Yes, this is not exactly a sport that would make uh, ESPN eight. Right. Um, but the cosmic turn to this is because Potter ran the activity through Potter sales, and as it turns out, a company can't have a hobby. There was no hobby loss denied through Potter sales. Potter sales got to take all the deductions that if he had just done this directly would have been hobby losses and denied. So this this soil business that no longer operated is now taking a business <coughs> loss for expenses of shooting black powder at balloons to pop them on an obstacle course. Well, the key that Judd Paris pointed out is potting soil sales business at one point, but now it's in the business of mounted cowboy activities. That's quite a change. I'm joined in the studio now by Worldwide Tax Daily legal reporter Bill Hoke. Bill, what do you have for me? Well, I have a story that I covered earlier in the year. Uh, Every morning I look and see what's out there, and I came across something in an Israeli newspaper, the Jerusalem Post, about a guy in the U.S. who had a tax return done by Adolf Hitler. Interesting. That he was selling in a private sale, but over the Internet. Okay. So uh, what what do we know about... uh Uh, his tax situation. Well, from the return, which the guy gave me a copy of, I didn't know anything because it's in German. (laughs) So I I searched around and I tried to contact a few people. And fortunately, I came across a tax researcher at the University of Vienna in Austria who happened to be a history buff. And this guy was thrilled to get it. So he looked at the return, said it seemed to be authentic. The street, that was the street address on the return, corresponded with where Hitler lived at the time. And so that was my authentication. He also went into some detail about the return because he examined it. It was actually a an estimated return. But on that, it wasn't just saying what your income was. There was some other detail. Uh, and on this return for this one quarter, Hitler reported that he had 2,467 Reichsmarks of income, right? Is that a lot or? Well, (laughs) the professor tried to figure this out, but this was back in the era of the Weimar Republic in Germany Mm. where they had hyperinflation. He said it's just impossible to put a current dollar value on it. But he said he consulted some historical records from the German Statistical Society, and the average German made around 1,600 Reichsmarks of income during a year. So this was in one quarter. Hitler made, what, almost 1,000 Reichsmarks more. Mm -hmm. So he said that put to rest the theory or the claims that Hitler was very poor during that era. Mm -hmm. Now, what he also said was interesting was the income was from royalties, from a book sale. So he figured it was A very particular book. From a particular book, the famous Mein Kampf that Hitler wrote while he was in prison three years earlier. And the uh, professor said what was also interesting was... At that time, 
If you had less than 2,500 Reichsmarks of income, you got a special notional interest deduction of 200 Reichsmarks. So the fact that Hitler was just at 2467, which is what, 33 Reichsmarks below, he qualified for this deduction. Now, the professor said he was speculating, but he said it might well have been that Hitler was cheating on his tax return. Okay, so this is one person who, this is cheating on their taxes about the 534th worst thing they've done. <laughs> but it would seem that, I guess, you know, if you'd gone with 2499, that would look suspicious. But, you know, oh, if I... If I a little bit lower yeah, than that. Lower, yeah. But the guy said, the professor just, you know, anywhere, once you start getting, bumping up against a threshold like that, it's suggestive of something. But he said mm-hmm. he's not accusing Hitler of having done anything wrong. This is one person I'm not going to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, there wasn't much else on the tax return. What was also interesting was what this guy, it wasn't an auction house. He does online sales of historical documents. And the guy wanted $125,000 for this tax return. That's that's pretty uh, pretty hefty chunk there. Uh, did he get it? He did not get it. In fact, when I wrote the story, it was prior to whenever the sale was supposed to take place. He said he had gotten some firm offers by that time, but nothing was where he, you know the level he wanted to get. And so I called him yesterday, knowing we were going to do this podcast, and asked him. And he said uh, he still hasn't sold it, mm-hmm. and he's probably going to put it out again, but he's going to wait until he thinks the time is right. Okay. Well, Bill, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. It's fun. For any listeners interested in seeing a copy of the 1926 tax return, we'll be providing a link in the show notes. Joining us now in the studio is Worldwide Tax Daily senior legal reporter Andrew Velarde. Andrew, welcome. Hey, Dave. Good to be back. What do you have for me? Well, I've got something that I would say is quite interesting. How about a court case involving a circus founder, the International Space Station, and Shakira? All right, you've got me. All right. I know this sounds like the start of a joke, but it's actually a court case out of the Tax Court of Canada that came out in September. Okay. This, uh, this case involved the founder of Cirque du Soleil, who was trying to expense his two-week trip to space for his company. He uh, went up to the International Space Station in 2009, uh, tried to deduct $37 million out of uh, $41 million in total expense, reasoning that it was a marketing and promotional expense done to promote its launch of its first Russian show. That seems a bold claim. Yes, uh, well, yeah. I haven't gotten to the fun part. The fun part yet. Sure. They did do a in the court notes this. They did do a live broadcast with a video link while in space for a series of fundraiser concerts around the world. This included. Uh, the court made sure to say this included headliners such as Bono, Shakira, and Al Gore. Now it's almost like the judge was playing a game of name dropping combined with which one of these is not like the other. Though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Shakira and uh, definitely the one outside of that. Bono and Al Gore just seem to go together pretty well. Um, no comments. But uh, so the taxpayer, Guy Liberté, did make did claim a small amount was personal, but the court makes note that they only did so to avoid a dispute with the tax authority and to avoid bad publicity if nothing was reported as taxable. In general, the court wasn't buying this, these arguments. They decided that the trip was done primarily for personal reasons. And it started listing off a myriad of reasons why it found this. And it went A, B, C, D. It actually ran out of letters in the alphabet and had to loop back <laughs> around to double A. I think 27, 28 reasons altogether. My, uh, they, they're 
mainly focusing on the fact that the company wouldn't consider sending anyone else in his place, in the founder's place. This had apparently been a dream of his for many years. Uh, the court compared it to an owner uh, going on a cross-country trip, taking detours to visit clients along the way. My personal favorite reason was uh, for the court rejecting this as a proper marketing expense was La Liberté testified that all his travels had been inspired by watching Neil Armstrong walk on the moon, visiting Expo 67, and my personal favorite of my personal favorites, I mentioned La Petite Prince. So <laughs> the moral of the story here, I think, is if you're going to try and deduct a trip for space for business reasons, better stick to Charlotte's Web as your favorite childhood book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, for listeners that didn't that don't speak French, that might be familiar. That is the Little Prince you were speaking. You're yes, correct. About. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Andrew, thank you for being here. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's it for Year End Collection Volume One. Come back next week for Year End Collection Volume Two. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.